What is up, Fight Fam? From the ever-beautiful City of Angels, this is Cage Free Chicks, a combat sports-centered podcast by women, about women, and for everyone, where we take a look into the world of combat sports through the female lens and discuss how martial arts have helped shape some of the toughest women on the planet. As always, we're your favorite Cage Free Chicks, Nadia and Michelle. For episode 17, we're joined by Jiggy Yoon. What initially drew us to Jiggy was her mantra that vulnerability is dope. Once started as a simple slogan on a t-shirt to make extra money, it since has ramped up to be a very powerful movement. And it isn't hard to see why. Jiggy has one of the richest, deepest inner worlds, and we were so incredibly lucky to bear witness to the highlights as well as the lowlights. Jiggy is a lifelong athlete, fighter, survivor, and advocate for love. But don't call her a motivational speaker. She prefers the term hype woman for compassionate gangsters. Simply put, life has taken Jiggy on a whirlwind journey from South Korea to Queens and now Southern California. However, Jiggy's beauty as a human being doesn't stop there. She's a type 1 diabetic who's constantly striving to figure out how to reconcile her diagnosis and her athletic passions from dance to CrossFit to Muay Thai to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in the present. She's a bright and loud voice in social media calling not just other diabetics, but all humans going through something to see the strength and beauty and possibility innate to them. She's also very outspoken about being a gay Christian and seeks to envelop anyone who has ever felt disenfranchised in any way with the warmth of her deep and beautiful faith. Enjoy! Jiggy, yeah. thank you so much for being with us here today. We're so excited to talk to you and get your story out there. I'm yeah. sure it has been out there in many forms, but this will be a new form, so we're excited. Yeah. For those who don't really know about you, if you wouldn't mind just kind of telling us who you are, I don't know how you choose to identify, I guess, like in the world. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like, this is like a loaded question. How, like, I didn't expect this to be my first question. I, know. I was going to, um, as I was saying, I was like, how would I even like describe myself? I don't know. Who I don't even you? have like a who Tinder profile. I don't know how to describe myself. I'm Jiggy, and Jiggy's not my real name. I'm 26. Boom. I was born in Korea. Raised in Queens, New York, went to Penn State. Now I live in SoCal. What a life. (laughs) (laughs) What a life. Like, just all over the world. And, like, I empathize with that a lot because I also traveled everywhere. (laughs) Almost lived everywhere. Also in New York. But I don't remember if it was. I don't actually remember where it was. I was very young. What brought you from Seoul to New York? Uh, I went from Seoul to Detroit, Michigan first. Um, that happened because when I was like eight years old, my brother was an exchange student in Utah for a year. And when he came back to Korea, he couldn't adjust to the Korean lifestyle. (laughs) So my mom was like, okay, let's move to America. But for me, I think I personally believe that that was just her way of like trying to create a little distance from my dad Mm -hmm. because divorce is really frowned upon in Korea. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I personally believe that that's probably why she did it. And so she moved to America first to Detroit, Michigan. I don't know why it was Detroit. She was but, um, yeah. So she moved there first and then my brother and then me. So I lived in Michigan for like two, three years and then moved to New York. I never been to Michigan. What was oh, it You're like? not missing out. <laughs> yeah, I, it's no, I, like, I it's never want to go back. It's yeah. like, honestly, so boring. Yeah. I never want to go back. Thank everyone. The, the best thing that's come out of there is like, Cars and Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> and exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then you lived in New York. Mm-hmm. And, how, and how was that living there? I think it was the best place for me to be at at that moment mm-hmm. in my life because right before I moved to New York was when I came out. So I was like 
in middle school, I went to a private Catholic middle school. Ah. And yeah, not my not <laughs> my choice, not my decision. <laughs> yeah. And um, that's when I like all of a sudden decided to come out as bisexual. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was when I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. And because I was in Michigan and because it was a private Catholic school and it was a school of 100 kids, oh, gosh. everybody found out, their parents found out, their parents called the school, the school had a talk with me. The girl that I had a crush on found out that I had a crush on her and she demanded that I leave her alone. Um, <laughs> lost all of my friends. Jeez. So for high school, I moved to Queens. And I say that it was the perfect moment at that time because uh, I went to Bayside High School and there are so many lesbians that they called it gay side. So it was like perfect. It was like, okay, I come out and my first coming out experience wasn't that great. Right. But for me to be able to continue coming out and explore this thing called being gay, not like explore being gay, yeah, like yeah. making out with girls, but like explore my identity. Right. I think that for sure, New York was the best place for me yeah. to start that. High school was dope. I loved high school minus all the crazy exes that I've dated. If it wasn't for that drama, I would say that high school was perfect. But yeah, I loved my high school experience. I love New York. I just never want to go back, but, or to live there. But yeah. I love the experience that it gave me. It's interesting, like coming out in a place that's so closed minded, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there are many other words to describe it, but, yeah. you yeah. know, to keep it succinct, like a really closed minded place. And you can see that and be like, okay, shit, this is not, not great. This is not ideal. And then to instantly like flip into a more positive, it's like you kind of know the good and the bad, like very early on. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Cause I feel like some people maybe come out. And this is not a bad thing, but like they come out in like a really accepting sort of place and they live in that place and they become so comfortable and used to kind of being themselves, but they don't. And not I'm not saying that they should in any way hide themselves, but then if you travel someplace or go to or whatever, go to someplace else that's not as open minded, I think it could be really difficult to adjust, you mm-hmm. know, having been so comfortable. But yeah, um, in a way, you got to see the bad up front and be like, OK, shit. I mean, if you think about it, there was only like. 10 plus years ago and that's not yeah. a very long time ago yeah. no it's yeah. and that, oh, yeah. that was when think about it that was when finding nemo came out that's yeah. not that long ago mm-hmm. and even though it's not that long ago people were still like this whole being gay thing and homophobia and all yeah. that stuff was like still very real like homophobia was oh, yeah. super real like it was like being gay was not a normal thing it's not something that people yeah. were used to yet yeah like if you think about it that way like Dude, that was when Finding Nemo came out and people were still having a hard time accepting me. Right. It's like I came out in an era where Ellen had a hard time in the media. Right. But it wasn't that long ago. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Which means that the progress since then was very quick and I'm very grateful for it. But when I came out, I didn't have it easy. I don't have all these like, oh, pride and like, oh, all of a sudden like Adidas and Nike and everybody, all of a sudden everybody's like like, so supportive and everything is rainbow. It's like, it wasn't like that for me. I think now it's like a commercialized thing too, which is like shitty. I think, I don't know if we talked about on here or we talked about something. I think we talked about in terms of like, uh, in relation to like feminism, but I feel the same way about gay pride. It's like, now they're just doing it because it's like, oh, it's in vogue. And like, yeah. if you don't do it, then you're missing out. One, they are missing out on like a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. And then also on the whole part of like, oh, you're not supporting? Yeah. How dare you? Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. No, no. Like, well, what is your opinion on that? Like everyone just suddenly throwing up rainbow logos. I mean, that's cool. Whatever. Like, I think it's cool that at the end of the day, everything is a business. So therefore they're probably, yeah, they're probably doing it for marketing reasons. They're probably doing it for money reasons. But at the same time, if there are people within the company who are conscious of empathy and the importance of sharing that acceptance and love, good on them. 
I'm not gonna get like all political about it. Yeah, and be yeah. Like you making money off of my yeah. Nah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna yeah. say that. Like it's dope, cool, thanks. But it's just interesting. Like said, <laughs> like just ten years ago, it was not like that at all. Yeah. No. Well, it's but to your point with like Finding Nemo, and then once you, then you have Finding Dory, and she like Loki has like a girlfriend in that movie. So when you mentioned Nemo, I was like, oh my god. That's a way, like, what a way to when chronologically they made the movie, type it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't okay to be gay. But then, and basically, like, the sequel to the movie. The lead, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. What a journey society yeah. has been. I want to talk to you about vulnerability is dope. Since okay. we're a little bit on the subject of, like, being open and, like, being ourselves and everything. What led you to wanted to start that? Thank you for doing it. Because that's I think how that's what- we... Yeah. met you on the internet and uh-huh. you know they say don't talk to strangers on the internet but here we fuck are. it here we are <laughs> yeah, yeah i think i remember seeing like posts of yours and i was like what is this this is amazing so oh thank that you. was like my first inception of you <laughs> <laughs> thank you uh vulnerability is dope started because all right because i was broke because <laughs> <laughs> that's how it's it started reason. okay we saw uh, yeah. it happened um once i made the decision to move across the country to california um I had quit my job at the time. I was starting to like work on my business as well. And I just needed to, my girlfriend at the time and I were like, okay, we need to come up with this amount of money to be able to move across the country. And at the time I only worked at a bar, but she worked three jobs and I was just working on my own thing while she was working three jobs. But she always believed in me and she told me like, it's okay. Like you work on your thing, I'll bust my ass and I'll come up with the money. But something told me like that would be okay. Like something told me that everything's going to work out, which it did. Like one day I just had a a load of money in my bank account and we were able to meet like the exact money I said we're going to save up to move across the country. But anyways, (laughs) so I was like, how can I come up with money though like i have one job my girlfriend has three i'm not trying to be lazy i feel bad so i was like how can i come up with the money a little bit and still be able to pay my bills at the current time so i came up with okay like a t-shirt i'm gonna do t-shirts because i was working at an online retail store uh for like three years so of course like the first thing that pops into my head that i already know how to do well is like apparel and t-shirts and stuff like that so i already knew how to photoshop i already knew how to print shirts i already knew how to come up with uh the shipping costs Mm -hmm. and shipping labels and all that stuff i already knew how to do all that so that was the first thing that came to my mind and then i was like okay what do i want on the shirt and i was like well what is my message like what is the one message that i believe should be spread around the world through my voice. Obviously, I'm a huge fan of Brene Brown. Like, I wouldn't be doing what I do now if it, if it wasn't for her. Um, I call her bad bitch Brene Brown. <laughs> and I studied her work while I was in college. And so when she came up with the whole, like, vulnerability thing that really resonated with me, I can't call myself, like, a reflection of Brene Brown because yeah. I think that I reach a different kind of audience than she would. But anyway, so the original idea for the t-shirt was actually just, it was just going to be, like, how can I make this message look like me and sound like me? So the original idea was going to be just just the word vulnerability in, like, graffiti font with, uh, with, with like, a crown on top of the word oh, vulnerability. And then vulnerability. And then um, 
my best friend actually is like a graphic designer for like Johnson and Johnson. So I was like, okay, you're a credible person. Let me ask you, what, what do you think about this? And she was like, well, what does it mean? I was like, what do you mean? Like it has a crown. It means like vulnerability is a shit. Like it's yeah, look at it. Like, look, <laughs> look at it. And she was like, she was like, okay, I get it because I know you and I know your message. Right. But if, if somebody who does not resonate with the importance of vulnerability looks at it, they're not going to know what it means. And they're not even going to agree with it. Probably yeah. not unless they're explained what, what this yeah. is. Is. I was like, I bet. So she said that you might have to actually just like say it, say it and explain right. it because human beings need things explained sometimes. They need people to chew and their food for them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, okay. She was like, so what's your message? I was like, I need some time thinking about this. And I was like, <laughs> listening to, I'm a speaker. So I was mm-hmm. like thinking back to all of my speaking gigs and like, what is the one message that I always say? And I always say like, okay vulnerability is dope. I say dope because I have a hip hop background, like I have a rapping and dance background. So I always say the word dope, like that, that resonates with me. Right. So I was like, okay, vulnerability is dope. So I just came out with a font and then put vulnerability is dope on it. And then came out with shirts and people bought it. My friends bought it. And I was like, okay, dope. And then, (laughs) I mean, they were trying to help me. They were trying to support me. But then that's literally, that was like my intention. I was never going to make the shirts ever again. It was like, it was going to be like one release and never again. But then word spread and more people started to love it. And then this guy, this random guy from a marketing agency in New York reached out and was like, I need 50 t-shirts of these made. And I was like, dope. Okay. <laughs> so he helped me out with that. I made like a couple hundred dollars who, off of that. Who, why did he need 50? For mm-hmm. everybody at the agency. He just like bought, bought one for everyone. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's actually cool. He's like, everyone needs this yeah he bought that's, one for everybody at the agency that's super sick and i've never even met him yeah and Thank then you, that sir. happened and then social media happened and then more people wanted it and i was like okay i guess i have to come up with more so when i moved to cali i did another release and more people bought it and then strangers i don't even know bought it because they saw somebody wearing it at the gym they went home and googled it bought it um somebody funny story somebody um wore it at this like poetry slam or something like that that's great wore it on the stage like doing his thing and the person who saw the shirt what became obsessed with it asked that person where did you get that shirt and then emailed me is the guy from mean girls wait wait, wait which one the guy who she doesn't even go here oh my god yeah so he emails me one day like hi my name is such and such i saw your t-shirt at this thing i need one you don't make any three XLs. I need three XLs. <laughs> I was like, that's incredible. This is insane. I, I was like, okay. So sure. I drove an hour. I found like one t-shirt mark that had three XL. Uh, I drove an hour to just buy that for five minutes and then got it printed. Um, I was going to ship it to him, but then he had a show coming up in West Hollywood. And I was like, I'd rather hand this over to you. So I met him. Holy shit. And he let me go to the show for free. Shout and out. Now, and then he went to tour and every single, almost every single show he had my shirt on. Whoa. And then more people bought my shirt because of, of that. He's on stage. Like, yeah. That is so amazing. That was like a randomly wonderful opportunity. Also, um, I I sent shirts to um, VaynerMedia uh-huh. or Gary V uh-huh. because I got in touch with um, his head of HR, who is the... Uh, uh, heart officer. They don't call it HR. HR. <laughs> they yeah, call yeah. it like the heart officer. Um, Claude Silver sent shirts to her. Sent some extra to see if she can give it to Gary. I don't know if she did, but yeah, this <laughs> shirt like gave me so many random opportunities. 
I think it just speaks oh. to like how, um, what am I trying to say? How relatable. How relatable, yeah. Yeah. And how because sincere every- and honest to you. And like, you just look at it and you're like, oh yeah, that's jiggy. That like, fuck it. <laughs> I want you. some of that energy. Thank and so they buy your shirt, yeah. Also, yeah. it's such a good like mantra in a way. You know what I mean? Like it's something that you can just keep in your mind that like can be so meaningful and personal to you. But mm-hmm. also like, you know, that everyone, I don't know. It's like a shared word that mm-hmm. everyone can kind of like relate to, but also a very personal and like deeply important word to yourself. And like vulnerability is dope. Like saying it to yourself, I could see how um, like it could get you through really tough yeah. situations. You know, if you just sit back and remind yourself. It like of, resonates yeah. with the young people and then the old people can yes. feel like they're still young. Yes. <laughs> oh my yes. god, I'm saying dope. Yeah. <laughs> the shirt definitely like I thought my friends were just being nice and buying yeah. the shirt to support me. But after that, when all the sh- strangers and people I don't even know started buying it, um they keep messaging me like this is why I want this shirt and this is why it resonates with that's me. Sick. I'm just like and I love it. I love it when men get the shirt. Mm-hmm. Like yes. that's my favorite thing and I'm I'm like Yes, like vulnerability is it should be embraced. It's not like a, just a female thing. It's oh, not just yeah. a feminist thing. It's yeah. not just a sensitive, emotional woman yeah. thing. It's, it's vulnerability true. is within everybody because human beings are wired to be emotional. Yeah, yeah that's literally how we're yeah. wired. Like I don't care what people say. You look at our brain. There's a part of our brain that processes emotions. So you can't tell yeah. me shit. Yeah. We're all emotional. I don't want to hear that. I don't have no feelings. Like bullshit like that. <laughs> like you do. Well, and I will agree with you on that. I think like the the idea of vulnerability scares a lot of people, mostly men. But then like you take a word that most people think is just like, oh, it's just like crying all the time mm-hmm. and yes. all that stuff. And then you add dope to it. And it's kind of dope is a little bit masculine. So it actually, maybe for men, it's just like, oh, it's not just about like crying and talking about my feelings. It's just being like chill and mm-hmm. open and friendly, you know, like going out of your way to be friendly because that makes you vulnerable too. Mm-hmm. So it's not just being okay with like being sad, but it's also being okay with being happy Yes, and being okay with well, all the other spectrum of emotions yeah. that you have. So that statement just like, I think really encapsulates that entire spectrum. <laughs> I said it twice. Yeah. I hate it. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people think that like, you know, terms like vulnerability mm-hmm. and being emotional, yeah. they mm-hmm. think like that equals weakness and being sensitive. But to me, it's like, no, vulnerability is literally anything where you're able to become your most authentic self and exploring that because being vulnerable can mean, it doesn't have to mean crying. It can be just being your truth, being your truth and saying your truth, which means if you are new to jujitsu, but you go to your first match, that alone is vulnerability, like, because you have the chance of losing, but you're doing it anyway, which also shows courage, which is why Brene Brown's always like reflecting courage with vulnerability and vice versa yeah people don't realize that like vulnerability is not just about emotions but if you're a entrepreneur who's pursuing your own business that's vulnerability because yeah. you have the chance to fail but you're doing yeah. it anyway it's kind of how we saw doing this podcast yeah it's like well like- <laughs> we'll buy the equipment and we'll invite a few people on if they want to be on yes we'll continue to have <laughs> and it and if they say no it's not anything we're not used to sell the yeah. stuff all over again but yeah, yeah so hopefully yeah. i don't know well i read somewhere i don't remember who whose quote it is but it was essentially to what you were saying, like how courage means knowing you're afraid in the face of whatever situation, but then still sticking around mm-hmm. and like going through with it instead of like courage isn't just like blindly charging forward. It's like probably going to die, but I might not. Yeah. And it's like that might not that um, is vulnerability is dope. How Hyperfly found you or how did that? Not happen? at all. <laughs> I don't know. Sleek design. Not at all. Not even close. Like, I don't know how you got there. Not even close. No, I'm just like... Erin Hurley has my shirt, but that's because I gave it to her. Um, No, like, no. There's... 
no correlation between those two, like whatsoever. Hyperfly came out of nowhere. I moved to California with no job lined up. What um, was your plan when you were, yeah, were you just going to move here? And did you have like a place in mind that you went like, did you specifically move to a certain place in California or were you just like, fuck it, I'm going to go there and like figure it out on just my like, way there? Yolo did. <laughs> Yolo did. <laughs> Yolo did. <laughs> so I decided, okay, we made a decision. All right, we're going to move to Cali. Mm-hmm. Boom. This is how much money we're going to come up with to be able to like get through a few months of rent. Ideal rent. Boom. I had a best friend who graduated Penn State and then he got a job in Carlsbad, California. Okay. So he used to live in Pacific Beach, San Diego. So one year for my birthday, he flew me out as like my birthday present. And like within second day in San Diego, I was like, man, I, I deserve to live. In I can't believe people live here. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe people live yes. in a place like this. Like I see this on calendars or or screensavers or Instagram, yeah. but like, I'm, I can't believe people yeah. live here and experience this every day. So I was like, you know what? Like I deserve to live in a place like this. The next chapter of my life, when I get out of the town that Penn State's in, like next chapter of my life, I'm gonna live here. Um, and that was that. So when I decided I'm gonna for sure move to Cali, that best friend and I decided we we're gonna be roommates because he was uh, looking to move anyway. And then he told me about this place called Oceanside where he was exploring Beautiful. to live at because it's closer to work and his like rock climbing gym, which is like Cal so Cali, but <laughs> his like rock climbing gym yeah, was in Oceanside or something. I was like, okay, dope. So we started looking at places there. So because of the time difference, um, while he was at work, I would be over in the East Coast, just, like looking up apartments in Oceanside or Carlsbad or anywhere. And then we had like a shared Excel sheet. Nice. And then um, like list of apartment names, rent, how big the space is, like pet pet fees, like all that stuff. Laid it all out. Um, if we agreed that we would like to look at it, then I would call and set up an appointment. Then when he's done at work, he'll go and then we'll FaceTime so that we can see the place. Awesome. Thankfully, like I legitimately thought that I would be living in like a hole in the wall. So graciously, we were able to find this place that's like three bedroom for $2,100 or something. Split between three people. I paid like $700 BRB moving. $700 for rent and no pet fees. So I had a dog and a cat. So like that helped out a lot. We didn't have to pay for any of the utilities. Like what the this hell? place was like literally such a blessing and yeah. i was like this is how you know when everything's aligned this yeah. is how you know yeah. that you're supposed to be there yeah you know what I'm saying? yeah that's how it started and that's how i ended up in oceanside funny enough one of my best friends from high school ended up moving to oceanside too because she actually was married to a marine and yeah, the base is there yeah, yeah. and she's over here like don't move to oceanside it's it's ghetto it's dirty like all that stuff like i, I get scared of like walking around at night and i'm like you from queens are you saying this and i'm like okay if somebody from queens is saying this like okay shit like Damn. maybe i shouldn't yeah. but then i'm on instagram looking up oceanside and i'm like okay nice. like i don't see what, what you're talking yeah. about but then I also had to remember, like, okay, you know what? Yes, we're both from Queens, but she's from, like, a better side of Queens than I was from. Um, Her standard, he just, yeah. she just yeah. kind of thinks, so yeah. so I was like, okay, I don't know what, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I feel like Oceanside's yeah. pretty nice. Like, I've been Oceanside like, is really nice. nice. So like, I go there, and the, the the sun is out, and there's And the beach is, like, trees. right there. Yeah, and I'm like, where is the ghetto? <laughs> where is it She's dirty? talking about that Walmart, like, fucking <laughs> <laughs> I've been And there. I'm like, where is the hood? If this is the hood, like, this is the prettiest hood I've ever been I mean, in. I'll risk it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that's how I moved to Oceanside. And then from there, I moved to Carlsbad. And we we're actually thinking about moving to LA soon. So. Oh, Ooh. LA. This we'll come over for fights more. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. But yeah, like, how, then how did you get into... Oh, Hyperfly. Yeah. Hyperfly oh, yeah. and Jiu-Jitsu so, and all of that. Okay, so... Um, <laughs> 
So I moved across the country. I had no job lined up. My plan, if that was just really work on my business. Yeah. Um, I also got really excited to find out that Tony Robbins' office, his HQ is in San Diego. I was like, wow, totally meant to be. Oh, yeah. And then I find out, I don't know if you guys know who Mark Devine is, but he so. um, he's like a former Navy SEAL and he's one of those like, he's great. You should look up, look him up. But um, his office is in like Encinitas. Oh. I'm just like, I'm so meant to be here. Yeah. Like I'm about to thrive, <laughs> and, but I didn't. Yeah. And um, I was able to work on my business a little bit, but not to a point where I would be able to like pay my bills and stuff like right. that. So I was like, all right, cool. I'll just get a job. I was looking up jobs and Hyperfly was hiring. I didn't know who they were. I was only training Muay Thai at the time, but not jujitsu at all. Never in my life have I thought I would train jujitsu. Like literally it was not even like just as much as I think about like, I will never date a man. Like I will never train jujitsu. <laughs> right, right, okay. So Hyperfly comes into my life and I look at their website and I'm like, okay, cool. All right. Sick designs. Yeah, it's, it was like, their website was like just okay at the time. Yeah, so I go into the interview. I tell them straight up, like everything was very straightforward i was yeah. like i have my own business this is working at this company is not my dream like i i'm a motivational speaker i want to speak for a living like these are my dreams and like this is what i care about i love mental health uh i care a lot about mental health like all that stuff and then i told them i don't train jujitsu like i only train muay thai i lift and i dance a lot but i i don't train jujitsu and they were like okay cool i honestly think i was almost overqualified for the job because like i fit the description but beyond because of my old job that I had working at the online retail store. Right, right. Yeah. So they were just looking for somebody to help out around the, around the warehouse and like do inventory and fill orders and stuff yeah. like that. But on top of that, I knew how to do Photoshop and customer service and all that stuff. Hiring you instantly. So, like, honestly, <laughs> yeah, I, like, I honestly knew great. I had the job in the back. Like, yeah. When they probably you, just wanted to meet you to make sure that like you were yeah, like serial yeah, yeah. or something. Like, and um, they stalked me. They told me they stalked me already. They already knew that my mom passed away. Like they already knew everything about me. My boss, Lady K, she knew that um, she actually told me like, I actually love that you're a motivational speaker. They respected that I have my own business and I want to work on it. So even after I got hired, like right away, they were helping me with like trademarking. That's amazing. And, like yeah. she gave me so much business advice, like relationship advice, networking advice. I learned, I learned so much more than just, it was wasn't just a job. Yeah, yeah. I learned so much more yeah. just working there. And well, that's I think why it I like speaks there. to like their whole brand and like their image. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like you are very much like just in the same way that you are vulnerability is dope, like you are, you can't teach heart, I feel like in yes. so many ways. So I think like yeah. it makes sense that when you walked in, they're like, Yeah, obviously, like this yeah. is who we want. Like we don't want someone who's fake and who just wants to be around like, you know, famous jujitsu players and mm -hmm. that sort of stuff. Yeah. It's like you're actually there for a reason. So Kind of makes sense. Huh? Yeah. Good to hear. Yeah. Uh, the mantra, like, is crazy, but it's it's everything that I believe in. Yeah. I just think it's just crazy how, like, how well we were able to connect. Mm -hmm. It's very oh, rare yeah. to find I think people. It, I honestly think it was meant to be. Like, everything yeah. that's happened in my life and all the everything from moving across the country to finding Hyperfly at the time that I found it, like, everything was meant to be. And they believe it, too. Yeah. We had this whole conversation about how we were, like, meant to be in each other's lives. Oh, my God. So. <laughs> that's so amazing. We have conversations <laughs> like this all the time. Not so, I would be like, if I didn't find you, like, I don't know what I would do. <laughs> yeah. I'm so and happy. Like, For yeah. real. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, Hyperfly has been a company that we have, like, very much admired for a long time, just in terms of their message and, like, how they go about their branding and, like, how, you know, if you, like, read about the story of Hyperfly, mm -hmm. it's like, we're not 
out here trying to like move into MMA or move into like these other spaces. Like this is our space and we just want to be good at this. And mm-hmm. I think there's something yeah. to that specialization. I think you can yeah. really tell in, I mean, other brands are great, but yeah. in terms of like the family mentality and the environment. They're vulnerable. The, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, we like stock Lorenz, but um, <laughs> so everything I'm saying is like because of my stock. Because, but yeah, yeah I yeah. think they're amazing. So Yeah. I love that they're more than just a jujitsu company. And I think, that's really truly like what I love so much about Hyperfly. I don't know about any other kimono brands. I don't know anything about them, but I know about Hyperfly and I'm passionate about Hyperfly and their mission and what their mission is like. When I was hired, yeah, it was jujitsu. But Kay always told me like my dream for my vision for Hyperfly is always just more than jujitsu. It's not just about gear. It's not just about geese. It's yeah. not just about our sponsored athletes. It's about the world. She always just wanted to help the world. And she always believed that one day she'll get to a point where she'll be able to use Hyperfly to help the world. So now this year, the beginning of this year, they launched the YCTH foundation that's (laughs) like helping, um, a boxing club in New York. They're working on all a bunch of all these projects to like just help people. Yeah. Um, there are a bunch of projects that I can't talk about, but like they're doing ghee donations now yeah. so that like they can um send geese to Brazil or Africa, like MMA for um Africa, like yeah. all that. They're getting so involved so with so much more than jujitsu. It's it's amazing. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm speechless. It, yeah. Seriously. I, I think it's so I think it's so cool. Yeah. I don't know. So it was like hard for me to decide to like leave when that was about to just pop off because I believe in it so much. But I also believe, and hopefully they believe it too, that just because I left Hyperfly doesn't mean that- You um, left Hyperfly. I left Hyperfly yeah, yeah. Um, like two months ago. But- um, Well, no, no, I mean like that you left it, but you didn't really like- Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, they know that I'm always here for them. I think that I done everything that I was supposed to. I was meant to, I served my purpose at Hyperfly at the time that they needed me and I needed them for sure. I needed them too. And then after that, as I per- continue to pursue my own thing, I believe that I'm still going to be able to help, help Hyperfly in my own way. And when I was leaving, I told Kay, I was just like, watch, like one day I'm going to go on Oprah. Or- Mark my words right now, <laughs> by the way. Uh, one day I'm going to be on Oprah or Ellen. And one day I'm going to call Kay and be like, Kay, I'm going to be on Oprah or I'm going to be on Ellen. What do you want me to wear? That's Sunday, <laughs> June 23rd. <laughs> <laughs> Mark my Mark, words. Mark, Mark it down, people. 11.44 a.m. years later. <laughs> we will come back to this. <laughs> we will post it on Instagram. Jiggy on Manifest Oprah your destiny. And Ellen. At the same time, they're like, we're going to do a crossover episode because it's like. Dude, that's the dream. <laughs> yeah. Literally, Oprah and Ellen at the same time because it happened with Tiffany Haddish. Yeah. That's what happened. Yeah. Tiffany Haddish was on Ellen and then Damn. Ellen was like, oh, I heard that you love Oprah. And Tiffany was like, oh, yeah. So then <laughs> out of nowhere, as Ellen does, here comes Oprah. And Tiffany Haddish starts like crying. Yeah. And she's like, why did you ever like write yeah. me back for my letters? <laughs> so that's, that's just the dream. Because that's going to so be. Oh, my God. And then Oprah. Oprah looks looks at Tiffany Haddish in the eyes and she says, I'm so proud of you. And I'm like, dog, oh if, my God. If, if Ellen ever looked at my eyes and told me that she's proud of me, I'd be like, fuck yeah. You're probably going to like paralysis. Well, I'd be like, can you just keep saying it? <laughs> can I record it and keep that to my like <laughs> alarm? <laughs> yeah, oh that's, how I, that's probably how I would know that I made it. If yeah. Ellen just like looks me in the eyes or Oprah. So like after like once... When this happens, you need to let us know and we'll give you this audio. Like, we'll give you the raw file and we can make, like, a hype video that's leading up to the, to, to your... Hell yeah. yeah. To you being on. Hell yeah. Right? I feel like that'd be amazing. This is the only I thing I like will ever like, keep forever. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's a natural sort of progression. Yeah. Um, so you said that, you know, you had no intention of ever... Um, 
training in jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Like it was just not in your sphere. But now you are mm-hmm. training in jujitsu. Mm-hmm. So can you how tell much us do you like, love it? <laughs> how did that happen? How much do you love it? What have you learned? Is it amazing? Is it I guess you didn't really have an idea as to what Spoiler it was. Spoiler alert, be. it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah, tell us a little bit yeah. more about that. So through working at Hyperfly, obviously I have to learn a little bit about jujitsu. Yeah. I went to like Nogi Worlds. And when it wasn't, it was just okay. I don't know if you guys have been to Nogi Worlds, but it was like okay. Yeah. Like we left within three hours. But when we were there, like Sophia was trying to explain jujitsu to me, like, oh, mm-hmm. if that, like, if he does that, like, he gets points. If that he does that, mm-hmm. like, that's not good. Like all that yeah. stuff. Explaining jujitsu to me. As you're watching it. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay. But like, it was kind of, the stadium was kind of like empty. It wasn't very hype. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, whatever. whatever. But then a year after that, we went to Gi Worlds. And that's when the stadium was packed with people and I met so many people and every single person I met they were just telling me how much they love jiu-jitsu and that I find I was in charge of um our sponsored athletes at the time so when I was finally meeting my some of our athletes for the first time there was this one athlete Saida Durki uh Jinja Ninja she is now sponsored but at the time she was one of our ambassadors and the reason why she was an ambassador was because like when she submitted her application like she just has so much heart and that's not to be cheesy. She has so much heart. And we, at the time, we were like saying no to all applications. But I was like, no, okay, you got to read this shit. Like, this shit is fire. Like, there's no way you don't want to have yeah. her on your team. Now she's sponsored, which is cool. But she gave me this whole... Um, so, like, we headed off right away yeah. mm-hmm. because of that experience. We were sitting down and I was just like, man, this stuff is cool. Like, there's so many people here. And I love the family atmosphere and the teamwork that's involved yeah. with jiu-jitsu. Because, like, I come from CrossFit background, too. I did CrossFit. Like I've competed CrossFit. I know what it's like to cry in the arms of my coach. Like after winning a competition, I know I've danced. I was in a dance crew. Like I'm constantly around family. I play softball. Like I'm a very team player. And I thought jujitsu was like one person on the mat Mm -hmm. doing their own thing. But I didn't know it was this whole academy behind you who's cheering you on and all that stuff. And so I was talking to her about jujitsu. I was like, man, this is really cool. And she was just like giving me this whole motivational speech about why I should start jujitsu. And I was like, all right, say no more. Dope. The one thing that like made me shy away from exploring anything new in life ever is because of my diabetes. So to be told that I should like wrestle with somebody with the risk of passing out with somebody on top of me was right. like unheard of. But afterwards, told Lawrence and Sophia, and I was like, I'm ready. Like I want to start. And they were like, well, the academy that I wanted to explore at the time, they were switching locations. So because of renovation, they were just renting out a small space out of a a crunch fitness gym. Um, So they were like, let's wait until the new academy opens. And like a month goes by and it still wasn't open. And then if I had waited, I wouldn't have started until now because the academy just just now recently opened. (laughs) It's a new beautiful one that you're... Yes. Yes. I was like, you know what, guys? Like, you guys don't have to come with me. I want to go. I want to start. I don't want to wait anymore. So Lawrence actually took me to Studio 540 for the first time. (sighs) Funny enough, Rob Zepps is actually my friend's cousin. I mean, friend's uncle, which is like small world. But anyways, went to Studio 540. Dude, I had so much fun. Like I had, I was literally smiling so wide, like cheek to cheek. I was, I had no idea what the fuck I was doing, but my partner was great. She was like a purple belt and she just like walked me through everything. She was like, oh, this is the shrimp. This like do this. This is how you grip, like all that stuff. And I was like, I just had so much fun. I felt like a little kid because yeah. she was like rolling me around and throwing me. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is 
this is so much fun. Um, and and Lawrence was like, okay, this is how you like pass my guard. Like right now, like you're in my like all this stuff, and I'm like, okay. And he was just like laying there. He's like, just just try to like go past my knees. I was like, okay. So I'm like moving this way and that, and I sucked, but I was just having so much fun. After my first class, I remember t- I we had like a group message with everybody from the office, mm-hmm. which is the entire Packer family and just me, because <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm the adopted Asian child. And um, I was like, guys, I haven't had that much fun since I I first started learning how to DJ. Like that, I had so much freaking fun. I'm gonna do this thing. Right. So um, I went to the Crunch Gym. I signed. Uh, I went to try out uh jujitsu classes, and the coach like taught me how to tie my belt and stuff. And I started going and I was still training Muay Thai at my own Muay Thai gym at the time. And the thing about that Muay Thai gym is that it was a traditional Muay Thai gym. Mm -hmm. And so the age group was just way too vast, which means that there were parents there and old guys there. There were very little of my people there. And then like there were a bunch of Marines there and then there were kids there. So which means that like, I don't know if I'll ever make friends there, right, yeah. you're like a yeah it was a great floater, training yeah. facility but like i can't see myself being like oh let's go grab dinner after mm-hmm. we train i didn't see myself doing being able to do that there but when i went to this jujitsu academy there were these three girls and they just always brought this energy to the to the academy i mean everybody else was cool like but but you found your like your, your, people, your people. yeah because yeah. also because they were all women in my memory they were the only girls at the time going to the academy right. everybody else were men and everybody was nice but these three girls were just something about them made me want to keep going back and they brought this energy that the muay thai gym lacked right. and now i was stuck between this muay thai gym and jujitsu eventually i left the muay thai gym because our academy also offers the awkward thing is that the muay thai classes and the jujitsu classes were always at the same time oh. so i was like i always have to pick and choose yeah. Yeah. and so eventually jujitsu won <laughs> and so i started going there more and i was like i bet if i keep going here i bet i'm gonna start making friends so yeah. i just started showing up more i started Started learning a lot more and I translated what I was learning from jujitsu at the time a lot to dance that's the only way that mm-hmm. everything's gonna make sense to me so yeah I think because it's so similar to dance I enjoy jujitsu a lot too and since then yeah it's so easily addictive yeah. jujitsu I feel like and it's so healing and I think it's because jujitsu like basically checks off all the human needs like touch and cuddle sometimes and hug and it's very vulnerable uh, yeah and vulnerability and compassion and yeah. empathy but but at the same time, discipline and perseverance mm-hmm. and good work ethic and conflict resolution in a way yeah. too, like wholesome conflict resolution. Yeah. So I think that it's very healing. So when I started training jujitsu, I finally understood all these people, all these sponsorship applications I got at Hyperfly explaining like how jujitsu saved somebody's life. I got it. I understood it. Like it's so good for your mental health. I mean, I have my own depression and mental health things too. So like, I was like, shit, not only is this good for me, it's good for my physical activity. I think that self-defense is really important. Also, at the same time, I'm able to make friends. Community is incredible. So huge. So crucial. I love jujitsu. It's crazy. <laughs> and the yeah. funny thing is that no one talks about jujitsu in fucking Queens. Like nobody knows yeah. what that is. Yeah. is. But then funny enough, there was a 24 hour gym that I used to work at in Queens, which is now a Gracie Baja. <laughs> and I was like, wow, That's people amazing. in New York are doing jujitsu yeah. now. That's crazy. Like you don't just pull out a gun anymore. Like you actually do jujitsu now. That's you crazy. You touch someone for like hours. <laughs> and you love them and not wow. hate them. Wow. Yeah. And you shake hands and you're like, good job. Let's grab. <laughs> yeah. 
I think it's great. I think no, it's yeah. dope. No, we I agree I, with you. Yeah. I think so. the community aspect is also just like hearing your story and just so many other people's stories. It's like, it's so crucial. Mm-hmm. I read this book uh, recently. It's like a very popular book, Tribe by Sebastian Younger. And it talks about like people in the military coming back and like how when they come back from war, they're like missing their family and going through like a struggle and like a hardship with somebody is a group of people is like a lifelong bond, you know? And mm-hmm. like, I think jujitsu and it's, it's kind of similar, it, obviously not the same as war, but you know, yeah. but you're going through a struggle with someone. What has your experience been like having diabetes and being an athlete and dancing? How did you find dancing? How did you find CrossFit? How did you try to make diabetes work with that? And I, recently you've been very, very vocal on social media about building the community of diabetic athletes. What has that been like for you? I grew up an athlete. I also grew up dancing. So I actually like did ballet at one point. Oh, look at you. Graceful. Quit that though. Um, <laughs> did, I you, did, did you stand on point? Huh? Did you no, stand on point? I was like three. I don't know. <laughs> I did like ballroom dancing at one point. I was really good at it to a point where my teacher wanted me to start competing. Ooh. I was about to do it until he was like, no, you got to wear a dress. And I was like, nah. Mm. So I quit. I yeah. quit because I had to wear a dress. I kind of don't blame you though. <laughs> I get it. I can relate. So, um. That, that, so I grew up dancing. I grew up like playing basketball. I actually did a little bit of judo when I was a kid. Um, I did kendo and I was exposed to like taekwondo because I was I grew up in Korea. Mm-hmm. So yeah, of I, like, martial arts and sports, like all that. Yeah. yeah, whatever. And then middle school, I played basketball. High school, I played varsity softball because I'm a lesbian. Mark so like, yeah, about like, you. <laughs> yeah. And then um, but after high school, I was like, OK, I can either go the route of softball and play like D1 softball mm-hmm. or I can do what I've always wanted to explore, which is dance and join a dance group. Or I actually play trumpet for eight years. Oh. And I was like, or I can join like I could try out for the marching band yeah. at Penn State, which is like huge yeah yeah i didn't want to do softball anymore i want to do this dance thing because i don't want to die wondering yeah what it would have been like so yeah i joined uh dance crew since the freshman year of college and that's also when i was diagnosed with diabetes type 1 diabetes which means it happens i didn't eat too much candy yeah. it's nothing like that like it's inevitable yeah you get it and there's no cure for type 1 diabetes. Um, so don't tell me that I need to fix my diet and exercise. Like, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when I was diagnosed, I was like kind of confused as to how I'm supposed to make everything work. Because mm-hmm. I was so passionate about lifting. I've been lifting for over a decade now. Like I was at one point in my life, I was really passionate about bodybuilding. So when I gained weight after I was diagnosed with diabetes and like my body was like in shock with insulin, I gained a lot of weight and that brought me to like a really bad mental state. So that's actually how I ended up choosing crossfit because that was at the time when crossfit was just now gaining attention Mm -hmm. whether it was due to injuries or because it's awesome (laughs) also because i was working at that 24-hour gym in queens one of the uh, trainers there was a crossfit athlete so i asked him like what is this crossfit thing that you keep doing so he took me to his gym which is actually like a really famous gym now it's like crossfit bell in queens oh yeah um, yeah, that's yeah. where I first started off. Like I started off there when they were just in a garage with like the gate opening yeah. up. So I fell in love with it. I love the intensity of it. I was good at it. I was like, oh, this is dope. Like yeah. I can do this shit. It's kind of like so, endless sort of like a dick, like a dopamine. Cause you can yeah. change the workout in yeah. any way and make it like. Yeah, yeah I, I fell in love with Chris CrossFit. So yeah. since then, I started doing it, but I also had to figure out how I was going to train that with diabetes. Everything since my diagnosis, my first initial reaction was like, does this mean I have to quit everything? Whether it's your doctor or society telling you, like, you're not going to be able to live a normal life yeah. anymore. Yeah. And that was the first voice that I heard about diabetes. Like, the, social media wasn't big at the time, so it's right. not like I had 
all these athletes to look up to. I didn't know that there were other diabetics because I didn't know anybody that I was alone with this disease. And I was like pretty miserable for a while. I set out during dance practice for a long time, or I always had like candy on me and freaked out, or I was scared to go to the gym alone. I was scared to go to the gym, period. I remember like one time I was like crying in the gym because I was just like, dude, I fucking love bodybuilding. Yeah. I fucking love lifting. Like lifting is my life. That's the one thing that's been consistent in my life for over 10 years. And I'm like, are you fucking telling me that I can't do this thing that I fucking love? I was crying in the gym, dude. Yeah, I feel, I feel that. <laughs> um, and when it's like the one thing that like brings your happiness. Like, yes. like, I don't know. I went through a period where I just couldn't really go to the gym and everything, miserable. everything fell apart. Like literally everything fell apart because yeah. you don't have something like the consistent. And it's like one time for yourself. Where yeah. It's like no one else matters. Like it's, Selfish in a good way. So yeah, yeah. you can relate. <laughs> Long story short, I just had to come to a point where I had to be like, you know what? I'm not gonna, I'm gonna figure this out because I figured everything else in my life out. Yeah. I can figure this out too. So I just started bringing like extra candy everywhere I went. Um, I had to educate myself because I didn't have people telling me how to do this thing at the time, how to be an athlete with diabetes at the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and from then on, I became obsessed with the idea of defying odds. And whatever people told me I couldn't do, fuck it. Like, I'm going to do it. Continued lifting, figured out how the how lifting affects my blood sugar. Started exploring how, like, intensity of a wad will affect my blood sugar. So, okay, I know that running running in a steady pace, like, yeah, that might lower my blood sugar. Um, rowing, definitely. Oh, my God, that kills me. Like, if there was rowing in my wad, I would have to, like, eat a banana before the workout. I also know that lifting might lower my blood sugar. But I know that intense like Murph that yeah. might raise my blood sugar like all this stuff I have to figure it out figure it out constantly did you like run little experiments on yourself or no just, it like, was literally trial and error like, every single freaking oh day there were so many workouts where I'm like fucking I'm killing it and then I started shaking and I'm like Crash, are you yeah. fuck I have to stop right I, yeah, there were so, so many watts like oh my god I, would, I remember this one time I was killing it. Like I was finally at a point of CrossFit where I was just like, I was really truly yeah. killing it. And then I had to stop in the middle of a workout because my blood sugar was low. So I had to sit out. I was like eating my little banana in the corner and drinking my Gatorade and then class was over and I wanted to finish it. So I was doing, I remember like doing my pull-ups and I was just crying. Doing my <laughs> I was like, fuck this. Yeah. I hate this because when you finally get to a point where you made so much progress and then something stops you and it's not, I'm not so being, frustrated. I'm not being stopped because I'm a little bitch. It's mm -hmm. I'm being stopped because I have to. Yeah. It's so hard to get to that point yeah. in the first place. So it's like I was so frustrated. I was just like crying and I was like, how yeah. come? Like, I was like obsessed with CrossFit at the time. So I was just like, I'm making so much progress. And then I have to be pulled back. And I was like really down on myself a lot. But there was this one competition where I won the competition and I was like, go stand on the podium. And like, my name was being called and I just started crying. And my coach like, was like hugging yeah. me. And that was like the proudest moment of her career. She told me. Oh, chills. I don't know if I. <laughs> Beautiful moment. I don't know if I answered all of your questions. No. But basically I figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, you answered by, exactly. trial, by trial and error. Like there. everything has to be trial and error. Like every even Muay Thai I have to figure yeah. it out. Like jujitsu is so different. I have to figure that out. When I first started, I had to constantly like sit in the corner and eat my little gummy bears because like I kept going low. But I learned that like if it's steady pace like drilling, my blood sugar is gonna go low. But if I'm rolling, which is high intensity high intensity will raise my blood sugar because of uh, the adrenaline so uh -huh. i keep having to learn then i know that my blood sugar is gonna be different when i'm at competitions now Whoa. i'm constantly learning but now there's social media yeah. and i'm able to meet athletes i've been able to be able to connect to like certain i only know a handful of jujitsu athletes who have type 1 diabetes right now but 
at least it's a handful that I yeah. can talk to. Well, so when yeah. you started putting, you know, like, like she was saying, like you have been ramping it up on social media, like the advocacy and stuff like that. Um, I'm sure it's been like amazing finding out that there are so many other people who are in your community. But mm-hmm. did you think that there were going to be this many people? Or were we just posting it just to see like, hey, like this is what I'm going through. Like I want people to know about this sort of thing. And then. So now, today, yeah. in this point in my life, yeah. I know that there are a bunch of Taiwan diabetic yeah. athletes right. because three years ago, I discovered this Facebook group for diabetic athletes. Oh, okay. And so through there, there's this organization called Bullets and Barbells who are full of like CrossFitters, uh, powerlifters, and Olympic lifters, hence Barbell. Barbell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they host this adult camp every year at a CrossFit gym or whoever will host us. And we just meet and live together awesome. and so i went to one two years ago in san francisco and met a bunch of diabetics and it's the first time that i felt normal because constantly people were like pulling out syringes before our meal or like somebody was always beeping because of their insulin pumps like it was awesome because of that event i was able to meet all these athletes who have type 1 diabetes and then we all kept in touch and Diabetics are like, it's so easy to be friends. We're literally a family, so it's easy to keep in touch. So even after that, I kept in touch with them. Do that group and then finding other groups, I was able to find a bunch of athletes. So today in this point in my life, I know that there are Taiwan diabetic athletes, but I also know that there are people who are still too shy to explore mm. maybe something yeah. even further than sports, maybe even new sports. Maybe there are people who are wanting to do martial arts, like jujitsu, but scared. Wow. I, I'm not like yeah. at this point, because jujitsu is so new in my life, I wonder if uh, like there are diabetics who are curious about jujitsu but don't want to, or if there are a lot of jujitsu athletes, I just haven't found them yet. But right now, my understanding is that there aren't many diabetics doing jujitsu yeah. or mm-hmm. any kind of martial arts or self-defense. Defense, which again, I think the self-defense is really important. Well, hopefully yeah. they can hear your story and they can be like, oh, I'm not alone. If there's one diabetic who's able to vocalize like, this is what I'm doing and I'm good yeah. at it. It can inspire so many other Absolutely. people to do the same thing. So if I can be that one person, one person yeah. who who is like, because I remember when I first found my first jujitsu athlete who had type 1 diabetic, uh, type 1 diabetes, and there was a picture of him testing his blood sugar at Worlds and he was competing at Worlds. Oh, oh yeah. I think I've seen that picture. As a purple belt. And he was on the side just testing his blood sugar and that picture alone was like oh my god i can do it not only can i train jiu-jitsu but i can compete in it too at the highest level yeah yeah so i mean i'm I'm never gonna do worlds no no but i mean like you know that like it's 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 not like a death sentence and that's what's most important that is possible and maybe like if they can find you and find your story and find that there is a community of people they will feel more empowered because more like what am i trying to say more of the answers are there in some ways like they have people that they can ask about like exactly a myriad of sort of like issues that they may go maybe going through and they don't feel so and alone. it's easier to figure and they might be able to like think out, out I don't yeah know. when yeah. you're like in the group of people that understand the context of your problem I, I think you're probably more correct on the space that people have the diagnosis but are hesitant to try and do anything even though like literally exercise is it's not a cure for all but it's definitely a big big aid in yeah that's like a whole thing to yeah. unpack but like you said you know like when you got diagnosed you were basically basically like, oh, grim news, like sucks, whatever. Like, this is it, deal with it. Like you're basically like an invalid. And then you were just like, no. And you know, a lot of people don't understand that they can also think that way. Yes. That it doesn't have to be so limiting. Yes. Because it's just like, you know, it's like, yeah, your blood sugar is just 
very bipolar. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't, but it doesn't fundamentally change, you know, like any of the processes is that like you respond to situations a lot more dramatically than like people that don't have diabetes, but yeah. it, that doesn't mean you're not, your response to it is incorrect. Like I'm sure, you know, after like we do CrossFit or like we lift, like our blood sugar drops and raises too. We just don't really have to think about it, but your process is still the same. It's just, you have to do a little bit extra for it. Yeah. So. And the moral of the story, I don't want this whole diabetes thing or anything to just reach only diabetics before yeah. the general yeah. public to understand, like no matter what it is that you're going through in life, figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Like, it doesn't have to define you. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Because diabetes is just one part of my story. Yeah. There's a bunch of things that I've been through. Yeah. Well, never, like, I mean like everybody to some degree. Everyone thinks that they're the center of the... You are both the center of your own universe, but like not the point of the story at the same time. So I think it's yeah. easy for people to get like bogged down in their own feelings and be like, well, I have this going on. I have this going on. I have this going on. Therefore, I can't do this. And mm -hmm. it's like, you know what? Like, there but are like one-armed kids in Africa who like don't know the, who their parents are, who, who are malnourished, you know, <laughs> and they're still getting up and walking five. I don't yeah. know. And like, like still going to go get water. Yeah like, yeah. like every person. What did my mom tell me the other day? She was like. Unless you die, you still have to live. So you better figure it out. And I yeah. was like, it's kind of a good point. You know? That's actually exactly it. I just recently wrote a blog for this diabetes organization um, about my story behind my me attempting suicide through diabetes using my supplies. Obviously, I'm alive. So yeah. I couldn't go through with it. And so when, when I realized like, okay, even if I tried to do it myself, like die, even if I try to do it myself, I couldn't get through with it. So if I can't get through with it, and I, I didn't die. I'm going to live. I'm going to have to make this whole living life thing yeah, work. work. Yeah. So yeah. how am I going to do, do yeah. that? I remember like I, I was complaining about something once. My mom's like, yeah, it's life. And I know it's like the most simplistic sort of way to say it. But in a way, it's the most like honest and real thing. It's like life. There are so many obstacles to get through. And it's like, yeah, you may have like 15 obstacles in one day. But guess what? Tomorrow's another the day. The sun still yeah. turns. Yeah. 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 I mean, it just keeps going turns. on. And yeah. so like it's kind of I don't know. She used to always say it to me when I was in not a good place been like your happiness is your choice and your attitude is seriously everything and how you respond to things is so important and there you see and you see it you know you literally see people who are like in a rut and they can't get out and you wish that for a moment they could step away from it for a second but if you choose to look at your life as a thing that's going to like constantly oppress you and push you down then it will be that because there are so many ways that it can do it and life will so happily yeah do that i think and yeah. so if you don't actually like actively choose like hey like i'm gonna get this shit done i'm gonna despite my setbacks i'm still gonna like go through and have a fucking life and not yes. just be yeah dude call me a motivational speaker <laughs> you know it's like yeah you yeah. can't just let yeah. things hold you down yeah. otherwise you and making be. that choice yeah the choosing yeah. and the following up with the choosing mm -hmm. like yeah. the action is the hardest part yeah because anybody can be like but, oh, stop being so sad it's like yeah. bitch if it was that simple like and that's not <laughs> practical stop being sad it's like yeah. what are you what? Yeah. So like the choosing is one part and then the following through, like if I lack joy in my life right now, okay, I, I choose to find joy and bring joy to my life. Mm -hmm. yeah. What does that look like? And coming up with the actions. It's all really hard. And you can have as many supportive friends as possible, but at the end of the day, it's always going to be up to you. And totally. that's so hard. Yeah. It's so hard. And it's also really hard to constantly be able to do it, especially if you're somebody who might experience depression. Mm -hmm. But it's like, dude, that's what makes you a badass, though. I think yeah. this is like, I just thought of this now. So when I was in high school, 
I was like really obsessed with Into the Wild and like the book and the movie and everything. Chris McCandless, for people who don't know, it's this guy who just like abandoned everything and like went into the woods, like set his car on fire and was like, he had like a bad like home life as well. But he was like, I'm just gonna like live off the land. He ends up dying because he ate like a berry that <laughs> had like, shit on it and like killed him. But in between that, he wrote, he wrote like a lot of really important life lessons. And one of the ones that really sticks with me is that he was talking about how like people often are so hesitant and like reluctant to accept love mm. and a lot of times the person that they're that's trying to love them feels like it's them and it's not actually them it's just you accept the love that you think that you deserve and yes. so if you don't love yourself which is a really yep. hard thing to do mm-hmm. then you and you often see this with people who are in abusive mentally physical whatever abusive yep. relationships or in toxic relationships and you just wonder like why can't you not be in this relationship and it's like oh it's because they don't love themselves yeah and so yeah it starts with you a lot of people don't understand that like a lot of the things that like oh like you said like bad relationships or bad whatever it's like that's a reflection of whatever's happening inside of you but then i guess it goes back to the point of like people don't really want to be self-responsible and so you know it's hard to confront yourself i don't know and be vulnerable with yourself and go like look this is what my issue is and Mm -hmm. this is what i need these are the steps like you said these are steps that i need to take and maybe i'm not you know tomorrow i'm not going to be the happiest person ever but i can be a little bit happier or I can, you know, start to end the things that are contributing to my unhappiness or. Yeah. Does your faith factor into a lot of um, your ability to kind of push forward and keep, right? I'm going to figure it out. This sucks, but I'm going to figure it out. Like, I love it when you post religious things on Instagram. I think it's so beautiful how you're just like, no, fuck it. This is like what I'm doing. Cause I think in this day and age, it's not. Fewer young people are like um, connected with their faith. I think statistically, literally. So. Yeah. And it's like not cool anymore. And you're, which is like dumb because like everyone needs to believe in something. So like what, who's to say what you should or should not believe if like if it makes your life better then like yeah so how's your fate like factor into like do you, do you turn to have you turned to that a lot in like your darkest times or like has it helped you figure things out like like i'm not a very religious person mm-hmm. so like it's i'm like you know believe in the universe and like mm-hmm. all that woo woo shit it's but, our own religion yeah, yeah it's, it's like a whole you know it, its own thing but you know, you're still advocating like this organized religion. And like, I feel like I'm being educated about it through your Instagram post. So one, I appreciate it. Two, how has it helped you? How has it not helped Mm -hmm. you? What's it been like? It's really interesting that you just said that I'm an advocate for organized religion because (laughs) am I? Well, I don't know. (laughs) I guess in the sense that like like a lot of people, a lot of young people are not um, going to church. Yeah. Just Mm -hmm. literally. Yeah. Like I said, like literally. I I didn't, I didn't mean it in like, in like a, in like no, no, no. I, I, like, like that's the first time that I've ever like because like Christianity like is that. like organized. You yeah. Know? yeah. So, so I guess that's... first off, hmm. Okay, I know I pray a lot. Yeah. I know I talk about God a lot. Yeah. I also invite people to church. No, yeah, yeah. That's all that's today. So okay, yeah. from the outside, it, yeah, I can understand <laughs> why it looks like an, I'm an advocate for organized religion, but I'm not. I guess it looks like that because long story short, yeah, I'm gonna say that I'm a Christian. Yeah. But if I had the time to tell you my entire story, I'm just saying that I have a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as soon as I was able to say, make this connection between the universe being God and God being the universe made me feel a lot more at home with God because I didn't always used to be like this. Right. I used to hate God. I used to think that God hates me. I used to think that I got diabetes because Satan and God were chilling <laughs> and they were like, let's make fun of this girl. Like I literally once upon a time used to think wow. that my life existed because God needed something to laugh at. I used to think that God and Satan had a hand in hand collab to give me diabetes and Holy to give shit. me the choice to use my supplies to kill myself. I used to hate 
I yeah. used to blame everything on God. Me being homeless, losing everything, my mom having cancer, my mom having a heart attack, my mom passing away. I used to blame everything on God. And I used to think that everything that I've been through was God making fun of me. So I was suicidal. I was just yeah. like, why am I yeah. why, like, why am yeah. I alive yeah. if I don't have to be? So I was raised Catholic and I knew this existence of God, but I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. I thought that Oh, funny thing. I used to also hate Jesus too. And I used to think like, oh, Jesus died for my sins. Ooh, big deal. But the thing is, he knew he was going to resurrect. It's like, oh, why was it a big deal? Like, isn't that so noble? If yeah. He, yeah. I okay. was like, so what if he died on the yeah. cross? Because he knew he was going to be resurrected. What Yo. is the big deal? I used, to, I used to think of it like that. Damn, I, I never thought about that. I literally like, used to question, I, like, I don't care that he's yeah. the son of God. Like, I don't care. Like, I don't understand the importance of It's like, yeah, if I was the son of God, I do this like <laughs> yeah. If yeah. I knew that I was gonna be alive anyway, right. like I would, I would do the same. Like yeah. I would die for y'all too. Like yeah. I don't know. That's the way that I yeah. used to think of it because I literally like That's really nuts. hated God. Like I, you look back at my journals. Oh, this happened. Fuck you, God. Like in bold, big letters. Like the I was gripping the pen so tight that the the pen would like pierce through the pages. Like yeah, I hated God. Okay, so what happened? Well, <laughs> I lost my home, so I had to start living in other people's homes. And once upon a time, I used to have to live in this basement. And the lady of the house told me, if you're going to live under my roof, you have to go to church. Uh -huh. And she was Christian. So uh, I went to a Christian church. And then that was my first experience with a Christian church. And they did things really differently. Um, Catholic churches is always about, yeah. like, stand up, sit. <laughs> Sing Neil. this boring ass song. Yeah, Neil. Confess your sins to this guy who apparently has a connection with God. How come that guy has a connection with God, but not me? Right. Why yeah. can't I just talk to why God? Why do you need like sins? a middleman? Yeah. 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 Also, like, why are you forcing me to talk about my sin? Like, isn't that the, like a private like, thing between? You know, also, like confessions. It's like, oh, I lied. Oh, I binge on this food, like, cause that's a sin too. Yeah. Like, anyway, so I went to this Christian church, and the songs were popping, and it was more like a storytelling. Mm -hmm as to like about God and about Jesus and how it relates to my life. I started seeing God from a different angle. Mm -hmm. And so I started going to the Christian church more. And then when school started and I went back to Penn State, I, I found the church and I kept going to that church. And then it's funny because like, I always had the same friends, but once I started going to church, I also found out within those friends, who, who was real? Uh, which like they've always been in my life, but we never dove into that side of them until I started going to church. Um, so started going to church with them, started joining like Christian organizations and stuff like that. Started learning more about the Bible. I used to go to like two Bible studies in one week and stuff. I had a mentor, at everything, Damn. and I started questioning everything. I was yeah. like, um, I was in a dance crew, so we partied a lot. We would be invited to a lot of parties. And yeah. At one point, I was just like, this is some dirty shit. Yeah. I don't want to be here. So I left the party. And I called my mentor freaking out. I was like, I don't know what is happening to me, but this is around the same people I mm -hmm. always party with at the same environment I'm always in, but something about it to me, the dirtiness of it is being exposed to me, like all this stuff. I called my mentor like freaking out at like 12 a.m. I left the party. I was like, I don't know what's happening, but I left this party. And um, I remember one time at a Bible study, I was like, how do I know when I'm ready to commit to Jesus and commit my life to Jesus? And then... I just kept talking and talking and talking. She was like, well, what do you think that looks like? So I was like, well, this and this and this and this and this and this. And I was like, oh, shit, I've already committed my life <laughs> yeah. to Jesus. And she just starts laughing. She's like, 
dude, yeah, you already knew you already did it. Like, I don't know why you're asking me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then it took like a few more years for me to like learn more about God and Jesus mm-hmm. and just heal my heart and my relationships. And I do believe that it helps me heal my relationship with my mother before she passed away, which I'm always going to be grateful for. All that's cool. But then one day when I was ready to be baptized, my church denied my baptism um, because I was not willing to repent my gayness oh yeah so the church hurt me so which is why i laugh when you say that i'm an advocate for organized religion i love church i invite people to church because i think that the community aspect of it i think that worshiping is really fun i think that it's really cool to have receive a message that might resonate with your life but that's why I invite people to church. It's yeah. not because church to me isn't just church. I don't go there because that's what's required of Christians. No, it's no. not. I don't believe in religion. Religion hurt me. I believe in relationship. Mm-hmm. I can worship yeah. God. I can praise God. I can talk to God all I want in my apartment. Yeah. However, I'm dressed. Yeah. Whoever I'm going with, yeah. gay or not, I go to church with my girlfriend. We hold hands at church. Church to me is just church. It's about Community. the experience that you get at yeah. church yeah. that I want people to experience with me. That's why I invite people to church. But organized religion itself, that's not really yeah. what that's I'm That's just people. Advocating. That's not even. Yeah. Yeah. And like if I'm talking to a friend who is not a believer, then I always say, well, do you think like this is what the universe wants for you? Because mm. to me, the universe is God. Yeah. But right. to them... The universe, universe, is, the universe. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to rebrand it then. You're an advocate for community faith. Dude, I'm an advocate for love. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like hope. Yeah. And that things happen when things happen, it's for a reason. And if there's friction, that's because it's not what yeah. is a lot supposed to be aligned for you. Always. Path of least resistance. Yeah. That's yes. Literally a physical law. And advocate for praying for people, thinking yeah. of good things for people. Like yeah. you don't like the word prayer. Okay. Let me just think good thoughts Positive for you thoughts. because yeah. why wouldn't you want yeah. that? Yeah. It's just, you're right. It's just like a different, um, not like a different language, but kind of is it just like a different language to describe something that everyone is already sharing anyways. Mm-hmm. So I, I love when you post them. I love, <laughs> like, cause I love, re- and then you did like a Q and a on Instagram about like, well, what can I pray for you? Mm-hmm. That was so great. Yeah. Like when you were talking about like growing up Catholic, cause like I grew up Russian Orthodox and there was a lot of just standing in church and there was a lot of like, look like you're sad and like women you know like we we can't wear pants to church it's like you gotta wear tights and it's if it's a skirt below the knee like your hair has to be like covered Mm -hmm. and like i understand i I get the that from the sense of like a uniform i just like never vibed with it Mm -hmm. and so but then reading your post i'm just kind of like perhaps i should rethink what faith really Like what it really means and yeah. like the things that I believe in, like they're not that different, uh-huh. you know, And but then maybe one we're like, go down to San Diego. I'd <laughs> love to go to church with you. Thanks. <laughs> I think that you just said that the, by statistics, young people aren't going to church. Or I guess like they're not uh identifying as like mm-hmm. like yeah. more, more and more people are saying like oh i'm agnostic or something they're yeah. like it's defying like, the uniformity yeah. of it yeah they're just like well, i think i it, think that speaking to you, it, makes, it makes sense though but i think that now church is becoming so popping actually like if you look up places like hillsong and yeah or like church like truly is like it's literally like a concert like yeah. it's an yeah. experience and so i'm seeing Sharing more and more people yeah. being curious about what church is like and i think that god is using different people in different ways to reach people whether that means that when people say like yo like you how are you gay and christian i'm like yeah. who the fuck else is gonna bring gay people to church because gay people are stubborn and yeah. we're not gonna listen to straight people especially straight christians so you think you're gonna bring gay people to jesus 
No, you're no, not. I, you're going to turn them away. But if I'm able to reach a gay community and talk about Jesus to them a little yeah. bit, that's how I'm I'm being used. And that's just how I'm going to see it as. Yeah. Well, I mean, it actually makes sense now that I think about it. The idea of like church and religion and everything, it's just all about being vulnerable with something that's above you. Yes. Like with faith. With yeah. faith. Because like you're it, trying to believe something that you can't see and there's no proof. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you have a relationship with God and you experience God and you see what is capable with yeah. faith, through faith, that's why people yeah. think that we're crazy because we do a lot of crazy shit like <laughs> i moved across the country without a job lined up and to yeah. people it's just like how did you do that it's like god told me to yeah. that's why i'm moving to la is because god told me to i don't know what the fuck i'm gonna do in la i don't have a job lined up and i don't know where i'm <laughs> but gonna you know live. you're gonna figure it out all i know is i have to god wants to position me in la to yeah. align me with something and that's what it is that's i don't awesome. need to ask why that's a waste of my time yeah so. I don't need to ask why. That, that's like my big goal in the next couple of years is just to stop asking why and just being like, it is. It is what it is. Yeah. Let Max the wave wash says. over me. Chiggy. <laughs> You're so great. Dude, God does things like beyond our understanding. Yeah. Because if we were to do things at our own understanding and our own capacity, Very it's going to be so whack versus like, versus something amazing, something incredible, crazy yeah. shit. You see it all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think some people, it's like hard to accept and exist like outside of yourself. I don't know if that makes sense. It's like, you think that it's like all about you sometimes. Like, look, sometimes like you are not like always in the driver's seat in terms of like what is going to happen. Like anything. Or never. Yeah, yeah. You're never. You know, like, but I think that people selfishly like think I'm in control of everything. I can do whatever I want is going to happen. No, it's not always going to happen. Well, Certainty it and can security. if yeah. you just kind of like, all right, happen. Yeah. But not like actively try to force it. Yeah, no, 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 absolutely. Um, But but it is bizarre because if like you think about it, the iron in our blood, like some star had to die for that iron to travel through space. And like, you know, so like, how can we, I always think like, Nadia, you're so stupid. You literally have like star particles in your body. Why do you care about it? It's because people have created like hierarchies and like books and like class system and things like that. So they think Mm -hmm. that, you know, because the way society, well, this is like becoming like a really like anarchist conversation, (laughs) but like, you know, because there's like a hierarchy, it's like somehow I'm better than you. It's like, no, we're all the same. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. We're all we're all the same per- like so we all ancient. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whenever people try and say some stuff, I'm like, so think about like human existence and then think about the earth. And then think about how like the earth really isn't shit compared to like everything <laughs> the else. Sun, so yeah, we literally. are something on earth and earth isn't shit, then we are definitely not <laughs> So and I find it like really liberating. I'm like, great, like just go. And then, <laughs> and then you're like, you know what? I'm not gonna ask why i'm yeah. just gonna i am it is yeah yeah anyway we've kept you here for for a million years it feels i don't know it's like a long time okay. but <laughs> amazing good that's how it should be very but, comfortable um but we want to before we wrap things up we want to give you the opportunity to shout out where people can find you um what you have going on thing. shout out oh this is the part where i get to give people you can number just one you gotta thank okay. god you gotta thank so, okay yeah. first of all i would like to thank god for this opportunity no. um, yeah I, take out your list i mean god too yeah shout outs to you guys i think that what you guys are doing is thank really you important and special it's crazy that i think that women are so powerful okay for real it's not because i'm just gay i really don't believe men are shit and i think that women are so powerful and i think that women have so many different stories of perseverance and courage and so much more confidence and strength than men ever will and especially women in the fighting industry and i think that it's really important that you're able to finally create a platform because you took something you saw a problem and you were like why isn't this being addressed and you did yeah. something about it yeah. and i think that alone is so dope oh, thank so you, shout outs to you guys it's like what you said um, when you came over you were just like isn't it funny that like nobody's done this before and we're like yeah 
Yeah. Like, yeah. why? Because yeah, we were like, we want to listen to this. And then it didn't exist. Yeah, like story, like the story, the people that you've interviewed. Yeah. It's like, it's such an obviously important story. Why aren't they being, hello? Yeah. Why aren't they being, sh- Mio? That's how, that's how we feel about you. She left jujitsu for like, what, eight years and came back, had kids, came back. Her body's hello? better than mine. Like, Aaron, her, hello? Yeah. Why? Anyways, it's yeah. so like when a story is so obviously important and it's not being shared, it like really annoys me because yeah. it's so obvious. Hyperfly, hello. <laughs> I made it to everybody at Alliance Carlsbad. I've never done this before. Like um, shouting out people. Don't forget to shout out yourself. So like we're gonna link everything, all the things yeah, well, that um, um, you have in the story notes and everything, and you know all of our social media. But we also wanna get the full Jiggy underscore Yoon. I'm constantly changing my profile because I don't know how to describe myself. Oh, JiggyYoon.com. That's it. Awesome. Cool. Thank you so much. I'm yeah. We always talk about how doing this is like it's like therapy. It's like talk therapy. Yeah. And so we always like learn so much, and I certainly oh, learn yeah. a lot. And I'm sure people will listen to this and be like, what the fuck. Like what just happened? And that's a comma we get off on. They're like, I thought we were just going to talk about fighting. And then it's like, (laughs) that's about life, man. So yeah, yeah, thank you for talking about life with us. Thank you for sharing your story with us. I'm sure there are so many people who are going to, our community will only grow. So thank you for being a part of it. And thank you for being like such a great guest. Thank you. (laughs) And one day I'm going to come back after I had been on Ellen and (laughs) Nate Oprah. Like I fucking told you so. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cage Free Chicks. If you want to know more about us, slide into our DMs on Instagram and Twitter at Cage Free Chicks, C-H-I-X. Also, please download, share, and leave us a review on iTunes. We would greatly appreciate it. And if you want to be our next guest, you can reach us by email, cagefreechicks, C-H-I-X, at gmail.com. Until next time.